0: Hello and welcome to this Read All About It Extra podcast on poetry. Now I would be the first to admit that I'm neither an expert in poetry, nor particularly well read when it comes to that genre. So rather than trying to recommend anything, I thought it might be better to ask a few people to choose their favourite poem, explain why it's important to them, and then read the poem. So why poetry? With the help of Mr Google, I found this basic definition of poetry as a type of literature or artistic writing that attempts to stir a reader's imagination or emotions, the poet doing this by carefully choosing and arranging language for its meaning, sound and rhythm. And I suppose that, for many of you, song lyrics do exactly the same thing. But it struck me that in the midst of the ongoing coronavirus crisis and the big changes to our daily lives, which seem more or less to have happened overnight, for many of us, consolation and comfort often comes in the form of words, whether through novels or poems. I also found two quotes that seem apt in relation to this podcast. The first is from the French writer and philosopher Voltaire, who said, Poetry is the music of the soul, and above all, of great and feeling souls. And the other quote is from the wonderful Maya Angelou, the American poet, singer and civil rights activist, who said, Words mean more than what is set down in paper. It takes the human voice to infuse them with deeper meaning.
1: Hello, my name's Karen Campbell. I'm a writer, and this is one of my favourite poems by the wonderful Kathleen Jamie. It's called The Queen of Sheba. Scotland. You have invoked her name just once too often in your Presbyterian living rooms. She's heard. Yay. Even unto heathenish Arabia, your vixen's bark of poverty, come down the family like a lang neb, a thrown streak, a wally-dog you never liked but can't get shot of. She's had enough. She's come. What, to this dump? Yes, she rides the first camel of a swaying caravan from her desert sands to the peat and bracken of the Pentland Hills, across the football pitch to the thin mirage of the swings and shoots scattered with glass. Breathe that steamy musk on the curry hill road, not mutton shanks boiled for broth, nor the chlorine stink of the swimming pool, where skinny girls accuse each other of verrucas. In her bathhouses, women bear warm, pot-bellied terracotta pitchers on their laughing hips. All that she desires, whatever she asks, she will make the bottle dreams of your wee lassies look like sweeties spangles scarcely cover her gorgeous breasts hanging gardens jewels frankincense more voluptuous even than by next door whose high-heeled slippers kicked from dressing gowns like little hooves wee tails of pink fur stuffed in the cleavage of her toes more audacious even than curry liz who led the gala floats through the wimpy scheme in a ruby red lotus elan before the boys brigade band and the brownies borrowed coal truck Hair piled like candy floss, who lifted her hands from the neat wheel to tinkle her fingers at her tricks among the masons and the elders and the police. The cool black skin of the Bible couldn't hold her, nor the atlas green on the kitchen table that you stuck with thumbs and split to fruity hemispheres, yellow Yemen, Red Sea, Ethiopia. Stick in with the homework and you'll be clever like your faither, but no too clever. No above your See her lead those great soft camels, widershins round the kirkyard. Smiling as she eats avocados with apostle spoons. She'll teach us how. But first, she wants to strip the willow. She desires the keys to the National Library. She is beckoning the lassies in the awestruck crowd. Yes, we'd like to clap the camels. To smell the spice, admire her hairy legs and bonny, wicked smile. We want to take PhDs in Persian, be vice to her president. We want to help her ask some difficult questions. She's shouting for her wisest man to test her mettle. Scour Scotland for a Solomon. Sure enough, from the back of the crowd, someone growls. Who do you think you are? And a thousand laughing girls and she draw her hot breath and shout The Queen of Sheba!
2: Hi there. My name is Neil Mackay. I'm a writer and journalist. I live in Glasgow, but I'm from Antrim in Northern Ireland. The poem I have chosen is The Sick Rose by William Blake. This poem has been going around and around in my head over the last few weeks, given what's happening in the world today. Like all of Blake's poetry, it's mystical and its meaning is unclear. And like the best poetry, that means it can speak to you on a personal level in a way that only you will ever understand. So here it is. The Sick Rose by William Blake. O rose, thou art sick, The invisible worm, that flies in the night in the howling storm has found out thy bed of crimson joy and his dark secret love does thy life destroy.
3: Hello, my name is Katrina Child and I'm a writer and I've chosen the poem Blind Horse by Norman McCaig. I first became aware of the poems of Norman McKeague when I was at school and I've loved them ever since and this one in particular has always stayed with me. I think the language that he uses in it is quite simple but the images he creates are so powerful that you're left kind of haunted by this horse long after you've put the poem away. And and in general I don't really like poems that are too abstract or too cryptic and I think the poems of Norman McKeague are really accessible to, to everybody and that's not doing him a disservice, that's meant purely as a compliment. So this is Blind Horse by Norman McKeague. He snuffles towards pouches of water in the grass and doesn't drink when he finds them. He twitches listlessly at sappy grass stems and stands stone still, his hanging head caricatured with a scribble of green whiskers. Sometimes that head swings high, ears cock, and he stares down a long sound. He stares and whinnies for what never comes. His eyes never close, not in the heat of the day, when his leather lip droops and he wears blinkers of flies. At any time of the night, you hear him in his dark field, stamp the ground, stamp the world down, waiting impatiently for the light to break.
4: My name's Willie Wally Mailey. I'm an academic at the University of Glasgow, and I'm going to read a sonnet by Edwin Morgan, who was a colleague well, before my time at the University of Glasgow, and he wrote this sonnet, dedicated it to Jack Riley, another former professor at the university. So it's a strong Glasgow connection. It's called G.M. Hopkins in Glasgow and for me it captures beautifully the harsh life of immigrants from across the water as witnessed by the poet Gerard Manley Hopkins. Morgan renders in fierce imagery the profound impact that working with the Irish poor had on the young novice who came to the city in 1881. Hopkins only spent a short time in Glasgow but his understanding of poverty was partly forged here. The poem has a personal resonance for me as my Irish grandfather, Edward Maley, Born in Mayo in 1871, was one of those Irish immigrants who came to Glasgow in search of a better life and found poverty and prejudice and hardship. G. M. Hopkins in Glasgow, earnestly nervous yet forthright, melted by bulk and warmth and unimposed rough grace, he lit a ready fuse from face to face of Irish Glasgow, dark, tough, tight-belted, drunken Fenian, poor, ex-Ulster men, crouched round a brazier like a burning bush. And lurched into his soul with such a push That British angels blanched in mid-amen To see their soldier stumble like a red. Indus's pauperism singed his creed. He blessed them, frowned, beat on his hands. The load of coal-black darkness clattering on his head, Half-crushed, half-fed, the bluely-burning need That trudged him back along Northwoodside Road.
5: I'm Dini Power, I was a secondary teacher and now I'm a kind of Jill of all trades. The poem I've chosen is Robert Burns' Epistle to a Young Friend. I came across this when I was teaching English in the 1990s and I was looking for a lesser known Burns poem to engage a fifth year class. I found this one resonated really well with that particular age group who could imagine themselves as the young friend in the title. They really enjoyed it as poetry, but it also gave them plenty of food for thought and we'd many a debate about all the moral points that Burns raises in this. As the title suggests, it was written in the form of a letter offering advice to a young friend who's about to go out into the adult world. It's an eloquent statement of Burns' moral beliefs, and I think it's probably one of his most accessible poems in many ways as relevant now as it would have been then. He uses a a relaxed blend of Scots dialect and standard English so that the advice is always conversational, it never comes across as sermonising or patronising. Byrne's advice in the poem is really impressive in its range. He advises Andrew about things like human weakness, attitudes towards people less fortunate than him, about being discreet, being faithful, showing self-restraint, believing in God... And I love the way in the last couple of lines he humorously undermines it all by admitting that he's not been very good at following his own guidelines. Epistle to a Young Friend Alang lang he thought, my youthful friend, A something to have sent you, Though it should serve nae other end than just a kind memento, But how the subject theme may gang, Let time and chance determine, Perhaps it may turn out a sang, Perhaps turn out a sermon, You'll try the world soon, my lad, And Andrew dear, believe me, You'll find mankind an uncle squad, and muckle they may grieve ye. For care and trouble set your thought, even when your end's attained. And all your views may come to naught, where every nerve is strained. I'll no say men are villains o, the real hard and wicked, what he nae check but human law, are too a few restricted. But, och, mankind are uncle weak, and little to be trusted. If self the wavering balance shake, it's rarely right adjusted. Yet they who fall in fortune's strife, their fate we shouldna censure. For still, the important end of life, they equally may answer. A man may hae an honest heart, though poor tooth hourly steer him. A man may tak a neighbour's part, yet hae nae cash to spare him. I free, afhan han, your story tell when we a bosom crony. But still, keep something to your cell, you scarcely tell to ony. Conceal your as well as ye can, to critical dissection. But keek through every other man with sharpened, sly inspection. The sacred law of well-placed love: luxuriantly indulge it, but never tempt the illicit rove. Though nothing should divulge it, away the quantum of the sin, the hazard of concealing. But ugh, it hardens all within and petrifies the feeling. To catch Dame Fortune's golden smile, assiduous wait upon her and gather gear by every while that's justified by honor. Not for to hide it in a hedge, nor for a train attendant, but for the glorious privilege of being independent. The fear of hell's a hangman's whip to hold the wretch in order. But where you feel your honour grip, let that eye be your border. Its slightest touches, instant pause, debar all side pretenses, and resolutely keep its laws, uncaring consequences. The great creator to revere must sure become the creature, but still the preaching can't forbear and even the rigid feature, yet ne'er with wits profane to range be complaisance extended. An atheist laughs, a poor exchange for deity offended. When ranting round in pleasure's ring, religion may be blinded, or if she gear a random sting, it may be little-minded. But when on life we're tempest-driven, a conscience back anchor, a correspondence fixed with heaven is sure a noble anchor. Adieu, dear amiable youth, your heart can ne'er be wanting, May prudence, fortitude and truth Erect your brow undaunting In Ploughman's phrase God send you speed Still daily to grow wiser And may you better wreck the reed Than ever did the advisor
0: I'm Paul Cudahy, a writer and journalist And also the host of the Read All About It podcast And the poem I've chosen is a poem called Fireworks by the late, great Tom Leonard Who was a brilliant Glasgow poet, sadly died Back in December 2018. Tom's poems were written in a phonetic vernacular and they are brilliant to look at as well as to read. And this particular poem is about football, it's about Celtic, and I had the pleasure of printing it in a match programme, a Celtic match programme, to accompany an interview with Bobby Lennox. One of the Lisbon Lions, one of the greatest players ever to play with Celtic, and one of the nicest men you could ever see. It was an interview conducted by Alison McConnell, who's another guest on this podcast. And here is Fireworks by Tom Leonard. Up comes the wee man, beats three men, slings over a cracker, and Lennox, oh, you want to have seen him, cool as a cucumber, bump, right in the rigging, postage stamp, a rocket. That was it. That was the end. Finished.
6: Hi there, my name is Alison McConnell. I'm a freelance football writer. Uh, If any of you have listened to Paul's podcast, then you'll know that I have real difficulty when it comes to wheedling down my choices and making clear distinctions about what are my favourite. It was uh, no no different when it came to picking my favourite poem. I have an awful lot that mean things to me for certain points in my life, I think, that Poems and and, and books, for that matter, have been a great comfort to me. I'm a great fan of Robert Browning's tune, The Campania. I also love uh, William Butler Yeats. He wishes for the cloths of heaven. But the poem I have picked is Flowers by Wendy Cope. Some men never think of it. You did. You'd come along and say you'd nearly brought me flowers, but something had gone wrong. The shop was closed or you had doubts, the sort that minds like ours dream up incessantly. You thought I might not want your flowers. It made me smile and hug you then. Now I can only smile, but look, the flowers you nearly brought have lasted all this while.
7: My name is Martin Gregg and I'm a writer and publisher. My favourite poem of all time is John Anderson, My Joe by Robert Burns. This is one of the very few, if not the only, poem that I can actually recite from memory. I learned it at primary school and I loved it as a kid and I still love it as an adult. It's from the perspective of an old woman reflecting on the love of her life, who she recalls as a young man and then as they grow older together. The word Joe means love in Scots. So, John Anderson, my Joe, is John Anderson, my love. It's beautiful and it's tender, and I think it captures something of true love and companionship into old age, and that's why I love it so much. So, here it is John Anderson, my Joe, by Robert Burns. John Anderson, my Joe, John, when we were first acquainted, your locks were like the raven, your bonny brow was brent. But now your brow is belled, John, your locks are like the snow. But blessings on your frosty pow, John Anderson, my Joe. John Anderson, my Joe, John, we clam the hill together, And money a canty day, John, we had wi ain another. Now we mon totter down, John, and hand in hand we'll go, To sleep together at the foot, John Anderson, my Joe.
8: My name's Jan Patience. I'm a journalist and an author. I write about art for the Herald newspaper and talk about it on radio and television. As a wee girl, I used to love poetry. I would read the likes of Robert Louis Stevenson's A Child's Garden of Verses or Christina Rossetti or Walter de la Mer or, growing up in Ayrshire, the poetry of Robert Burns, which was quite literally all around me. My dad loved Robert Burns, so there was no escaping it. But I have to confess, I fell out of love with poetry a wee bit when I studied it at university. In middle age, though, I rekindled this love affair with poetry and uh, it, it happened when a friend gave me a a Day book for Christmas and I now have it beside the toilet, I have to confess, and I read it every morning. And I always get something out of them, be it the colour of Emily Dickinson's eyes in a little note at the bottom or the fact that the, the Scottish playwright and poet John Davidson uh, tried to kill his mother with a carving knife. Now, the rekindling of my love affair seemed to happen uh, around a decade ago, uh, and in 2010 I was asked to review books of poetry, which a group of pupils from secondary schools in Eastern Bartonshire had written and illustrated for a project. Their inspiration was Liz Lockhead's collection of poetry, The Colour of Black and White, which was illustrated or is illustrated by the late Willie Roger. Now, Willie, who died in 2018, was a master of the art of printmaking and there's no mistaking his line of cuts. I met him, I was lucky enough to meet him and interview him a few times and he was a very gentle and genteel man who was very quiet but knew his worth, knew knew, knew that he was good. You might know his work from art. There was a big, big mural at Glasgow's Exhibition Centre Station which, as you're uh, going through in the train, you'll see it on the wall. And it is a superb illustration of his skill in black and white, writ large. So uh, Willie and Liz worked with pupils, mainly online to create drawings and also to create poems. And at the launch, Liz Lockhead, who, like Willie, Roger also went to Glasgow School of Art, read her poem, kids' poem, Bairnsangs. Uh, And it really was moving to hear her I read the poem that day, she herself was quite moved, as were many of the people in the room. So uh, after the, the event was over, I I sort of had a bit of a fangirl moment and I hurried up to Liz and said, oh, I thought that I, I made up the word pocky until I heard you say it in that poem. Now, a pocky for anyone in the dark is a Scots word for a mitten. So, Kid's Poem, Bairn Sangs, sums up the two worlds which I felt that I inhabited as a child. The, the world in which she spoke normally and the world in which she talked properly. Kid's Poem, Bairn Sangs, by Liz Lockhead. It was January and a guide day, the first day I went to the school. So my mum happed me up in my good navy blue napcoat with a red tartan hood. Burled a scarf around my neck. Pood on my pixie and my pockies. It was that bitter. Said, no, you'll no starve. Gave me a wee kiss and a kid on scalp on the bum and sent me off across the playground. Ta the place, I'd learned to say, it was January and a really dismal day, the first day I went to school. So my mother wrapped me up in my best navy blue top coat with the red tartan hood. twiddled a scarf around my neck, pulled on my bobble hat and mittens, it was so bitterly cold. Said, now you won't freeze to death. Gave me a little kiss and a pretend slap on the bottom. To the place I'd learned to forget to say. It was January and a guide day. The first day I went to the school. So my mum happed me up in my good navy blue nap coat with a red tartan hood. Burrowed a scarf around my neck. Put on my pixie and my pokies. It was that bitter. Oh, saying it was one thing, but when it came to writing it in black and white, the way it had to be said was as if you were posh, grown-up, male, English and dead.
9: I'm Karen Jones, a flash fiction and short story writer. My favourite poem is Strawberries by Edwin Morgan. I don't normally tend towards romantic poetry, but I always loved this one from the minute I read it. There's something just quite subtle about it, and it's just beautiful. This is Strawberries by Edwin Morgan There never were strawberries like the ones we had that sultry afternoon, sitting on the step of the open French window, facing each other, your knees held in mine, the blue plates in our laps, the strawberries glistening in the hot sunlight. We dipped them in sugar, looking at each other, not hurrying the feast for one to come. The empty plates laid on the stone together, with the two forks crossed, And I bent towards you, sweet in that air, in my arms, abandoned like a child. From your eager mouth, the taste of strawberries. In my memory, lean back again. Let me love you. Let the sun beat on our forgetfulness. One hour of all, the heat intense and summer lightning on the Kilpatrick Hills. Let the storm wash the plates.
2: My name is Ian Maloney. I am a writer, editor and critic. I've chosen a poem by Joy Harjo. Joy Harjo is the Poet Laureate of the United States and is the first ever Native American Poet Laureate. I came across her collection An American Sunrise while in Portland, Oregon last summer. As a Scot living in Japan, the ideas of community, of history and storytelling, of culture are ideas I keep returning to. And so Harjo's poetry about lost community, lost culture and broken history, hit a chord. This one in particular, The Story Wheel, it's prefaced by a historical note. Until the passage of the Indian Religious Freedoms Act of 1978, it was illegal for native citizens to practice our cultures. This included the making and sharing of songs and stories. Songs and stories in one culture are poetry and prose in another. They are intrinsic to cultural sovereignty. To write or create as a native person was essentially illegal. The Story Wheel by Joy Harjo I leave you to your ceremony of grieving, which is also of celebration, given when an honoured, humble one leaves behind a trail of happiness in the dark of human tribulation. None of us is above the other in this story of forever. Though we follow that red road home, one behind another. There is a light breaking through the storm and it is buffalo hunting weather. There you can see your mother. She is busy as she was ever. She holds up a new jingle dress for her youngest beloved daughter and for her special son a set of finely beaded gear. All for that welcome home dance, the most favourite of all, when everyone finds their way back together to dance, eat and celebrate and tell story after story of how they fought and played in the story wheel and how no one was ever really lost at all.
10: Hi there, my name's Paul Lyons, I'm the railway historian for Glasgow Central Station. Um, My favourite poem is A Man's A Man For All That by Robert Burns, which was written in 1795. It's my favourite poem because, to me, sums up my socialist views and the way that uh, I've tried to live my life. It's there for honest poverty that hangs its head and all that. The coward slave we pass him by, we dare be poor for all that. For all that and all that, our toils obscure and all that, the rank is but the guinea stamp. The man's a gowd for all that. But though in Hamley fair we dine, we are hod and grey and all that. Gie fields their silks and knaves their wine. A man's a man for all that. For all that and all that, their tinsel show and all that. The honest man, though say poor, is king o' men for all that. Ye see yon Birkey cod a lord who struts and stares at all that, though hundreds worship at his word. He's but a coof for all that. For all that no that, his ribbon star and all that. The man o' independent mind, he looks and laughs at all that. A prince can make a belted knight, a marquis Duke and all that. But an honest man's bon his might. Good faith he monna for that. For all that know that, the dignities and all that. The o sense and pride o' worth are higher rank than all that. Then let us pray that come at me, as come at will for all that. That sense of worth o'er all the earth shall bear the grief for all that, for all that, no that it's coming yet. For all that, the man to man, the world o'er, shall brothers be for all that.
11: Hello, my name is Janne I am the rights manager at Black and White Publishing. I'll be reading my favourite poem of all time, called "Love After Love" by Derek Walcott. I read it for the first time many years ago, and I instantly fell in love with it, and it has stayed with me ever since. It's a beautiful poem about coming for a breakup, about self recognition and healing, and to me it's also about never being alone, because you always have your loyal self that has been there with you all along. I hope I won't butcher it too badly. Love after Love. The time will come when, with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, Sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart, to itself, to the stranger who has loved you, all your life, whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit. Feast on your life. Hope you enjoyed.
12: Hello, this is Hugh MacDonald, sports
11: writer uh I'm going to uh, share my favourite poem with you. It's from Emily Dickinson. Dickinson is always relevant, but this poem is particularly so in these times. Yesterday is history, tis so far away. Yesterday is poetry, tis philosophy. Yesterday is history, where it is today. While we shrewdly speculate, flutter both away.
13: My name is Mark McQuigan and I'm a filmmaker and writer. My debut novel, The Birds That Never Flew, features a character called Elizabeth who from childhood fixates on the power of the Virgin Mary praying to her even as she miscarries her baby. The Virgin Mary eventually appears to Elizabeth Glaswegian and gallus and not the gentle soul she had envisaged. The poem I have chosen to read resonates strongly and when you hear it, you will understand why. Here's the statue of the Virgin at Grenard Speaks by Paul It can be bitter here at times like this November winds sweeping across the border, its seeds of ice would cut you to the quick. The whole town tucked up safe and dreaming, even wild things gone to earth, and I stuck up here in this grotto without as much as star or planet to ease my vigil. The howling won't let up, trees cavort in agony as if they would be free and take off, ghost voyagers in the wind that carries intimations of garrison towns, walled cities, Ghetto lanes where men hunt each other and invoke the various names of gods as blessing on their death tactics. Their night manoeuvres. Closer to home, the wind sails over dying lakes. I hear fish drowning. I taste the stagnant water mingled with turf smoke from outlying farms. They call me Mary, blessed, holy, virgin. They fit me to the myth of a man crucified. The scourging and the falling and the falling again. The thorny crown, the hammer blow of iron into wrist and ankle, the sacred bleeding heart. They name me mother of all this grief, though mated to no mortal man. They kneel before me and their prayers fly up like sparks from a bonfire that blaze a moment, then wink out. It can be lovely here at times. Springtime, early summer. Girls in communion frocks, pale rivals to the riot in the hedgerows of cow parsley and haw blossom. The perfume from every rushy acre that's left for hay when the light swings longer with the sun's push north. Or the grace of a midsummer wedding when the earth herself calls out for coupling and I would break loose of my stony robes. Pure blue, pure white, as if they had robbed a child's sky for their colour. My being cries out to be incarnate, incarnate, masculine and tousled in a honeyed bed. Even an autumn burial can work its own pageantry, The hedge is heavy with the burden of fruiting crab, slow, berry, hip. Clouds scud east, pear-scented, windfalls secret in long orchard grasses, and some old soul is lowered to his kin. Death is just another harvest scripted to the season's play. But on this all-soul's night there is no respite from the keening of the wind. I would not be amazed if every corpse came risen from the graveyard to join in exultation with the gale. A cacophony of bone imploring sky for judgement and release from being the conscience of the town. On a night like this I remember the child who came, with fifteen summers to her name. And she lay down alone at my feet, without midwife or doctor or friend to hold her hand. And she pushed her secret out into the night, far from the town tucked up in little scandals. Bargain struck, words broken. Prayers, promises And though she cried out to me in extremis I did not move I didn't lift a finger to help her I didn't intercede with heaven Nor whisper the charmed word in God's ear On a night like this I number the days to the solstice And the turn back to the light O sun, centre of our foolish dance Burning heart of stone Molten mother of us all Hear me and have pity.
14: My name is Chris Dolan and the poem I've chosen is Cantares y Proverbios, Songs and Proverbs, and it's from the great Spanish poet Antonio Machado's Campos de Castilla, or the Fields of Castile, a place I cycled through exactly a year ago. I'll give you a taste of Machado's original verse and then a line or two of a very famous song version by Catalan singer Juan Manuel Serrat. And then my own translation take it from both those Spanish versions todo pasa y todo queda, pero lo nuestro es pasar, pasar haciendo caminos, caminos sobre el mar. Caminante no hay camino, se hace camino al andar. Golpe a golpe, verso a verso, golpe a golpe, verso a verso. Everything passes and nothing dies, for us the things to keep on going, we find the route by a rain devise weaving her way o'er land and ocean. Which way, pal? Wherever your footprints lead, friend, your footsteps are the road—the only road there is. The path you pick is the way ahead, and behind you, the road you'll never tread again. Which way you say? Nothing but the wake of the water ebbing. Heel for heel, toe for toe, we make our way by how we go. Step by step and word for word, one by one, we make our road.
0: So I hope you've enjoyed this selection of poetry, which I think has sounded wonderful. And I'd like to thank everyone who recorded their favourite poem and sent it to me to include in this podcast. And I'm actually going to finish off with a poem and a song. The poem is called Where Go The Boats by Robert Louis Stevenson. And it's going to be read by my daughter Rebecca. Now this was a poem that Rebecca was given to learn when she was in primary school. And at the time I put it to music to help her learn it. And more recently I've recorded the song with my band The Bookends. So you can enjoy the poem... Where Go The Boats by Robert Louis Stevenson and the song Where Go The Boats by The Bookends. Thanks as always for listening to the Read All About It Extra podcast. Stay safe and until next time, keep reading.
6: Where the Boats Go by Robert Louis Stevenson Dark brown is the river, golden is the sand It flows along forever with trees on either hand Green leaves are floating, castles of the foam Boats of mine a-boating where will all come home on goes the river and out past the mill away down the valley away down the hill away down the river a hundred miles or more other little children shall bring my boats ashore
12: I'll bring my boat to shore